Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and wow, where does one begin? I'm going to call this the post-draft episode, but so much for the excitement and the massive continuous trades that people were expecting to occur at the 2023 draft, it was like crickets. There was nothing. The day before, there was all kinds of activity, trades being made, even draft picks being moved, and During the draft itself, it's like it became a quarantined area or something. There was literally very little, if anything. There wasn't a single trade in the first round, which is approaching just over, I think, a decade and a half since that last happened. There was just nothing going on. It was truly one of the most quietest, unexciting drafts in a long, long time, which is unfortunate because there was so much talent to talk about. I mean, even the Mitchkoff topic didn't really have the pizzazz or excitement or whatever you want to call it that was expected. He went to Philadelphia and everybody was like, oh, he went to Philadelphia. All right, big deal. It's like everybody was either waiting for the controversial pick for Montreal or one of the top four teams to select him so Montreal didn't have to deal with it and Will Smith would fall right into their lap or Montreal did have to deal with it but decided to have like a massive trade with the Washington Capitals which would have led to the whole era parent to Alexander Ovechkin thing just would have made a lot more excitement for the draft. I mean, there was literally crickets. There was nothing going on. And of course, some people will call this a need pick. Some people believe this is a big need in the organization. I don't personally, but with the selection of David Reinbacher by the Montreal Canadiens, just kind of a very boring, unexciting, ho-hum type pick. I mean, as much as I wanted the Montreal Canadiens to draft Uri Slavkowski last year and everybody else was talking about Shane Wright, if you're going to do that, why not draft David Nemec, who ended up going to the New Jersey Devils? I mean, he's a better defenseman than Reinbacher is by far. So I just don't get the draft selection of David Reinbacher. I got nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's a really good player. I just don't see it as the definitive gotta-have need by the Montreal Canadiens organization. I'm just not seeing that kind of emergency need, if you will, with the Canadians for that particular position. Maybe I'm just totally nuts and off the mark, but I'm just not seeing it. And I'll tell you why. You don't have a lot of drafts like the 2023 draft that offers the just incredible, talent-rich group of prospects that that draft had in it. Number one. And number two, the position of defense Montreal right now, this is just the NHL roster. Justin Baron, Jonathan Kovacevic, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackye, Jordan Harris, Mike Matheson, Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Chris Weidman. That makes nine guys on the team. Nine. And you know what? Let's just right off the bat say for the sake of argument, well, you know, Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Chris Weidman aren't going to be there that long. Okay, we're down to six. Jonathan Kovacevic is a really, really good defenseman. He's definitely better than your average third right-handed defenseman. Can probably and easily could play second right pair defenseman very easily and can even take number one minutes which he has and hasn't looked out of place now for me the judge and jury is still out on Justin Baron. I've seen some moments of like wow good acquisition by Montreal I've seen mostly moments of like hmm not very exciting but that still leaves you Jackeye Gooley Harris and Matheson and Harris and Matheson can play right or left defense it's 
It's not a problem for them. Now, when you look at that and all the other prospects that they have coming, which let's define that because apparently there's been a lot of people that don't recall or have decided to forget about or for some reason have already written off, which I don't know why you would, because starting with Logan Mylou, you have a number one pairing right defenseman. He can be number one with Gooley. He can be number one with Lane Hudson. He can be number one with Arbor Jackeye. He's number one material. And I'm going to make a statement here that some people will go, wow, you really have lost your mind. However, he is six foot three, 215 pounds plus. He already has an excellent NHL level shot. It's a rifle from the point. He's a quarterback on the power play, which Montreal hasn't had and really never even had in Shea Weber because most of his career with Montreal was injured anyways. But he has that kind of heavy shot that Weber had. He's an NHL level skater. He has an excellent transition game. He can be anywhere on the ice at any time. Fortunately, he's got a mean streak in him. He's another one like Jack Eye in that regard that when a player of his gets challenged or hit, you better be somewhere else. And with all those skills and size, I'm not saying he's going to be or is going to have the career like Larry Robinson had, but he is a defensive package that they have not seen since Robinson. He's that good. Not saying he's going to be like him. Not saying he's going to have a career like Robinson did, but he's that good and it's been that long. I will say, I believe that Logan Mylou is a better defenseman than some of the very well-known and respected defensemen that Montreal have had. For example, Rod Langway, Brian Inglom. I mean, he is in the discussion of finally somebody since Savard, LaPointe, LaPerriere, Robinson, those kinds of guys. He's finally in a discussion that actually may actually be that kind of talent. I don't know why so many people want to write him off. Yeah, he made a mistake earlier on in his life. Absolutely. And I am not saying that that was not a mistake in any way, shape, or form. That being said, he's learned from it. He's been punished. As a matter of fact, he's been punished more for that. You would have thought he would have done much more than what he did. And like I said, what he did is not right in any way, shape, or form. However, you would have thought it would have been something like murder or a violent crime or something like that. The guy has been punished more as an 18-year-old than some career criminals have been. And that leaves something to be desired and kind of a bad taste as far as society just wanting to rake somebody over the coals. Why he was selected to make an example out of. The kid immediately regretted what he did. He has done his time. He has gone through all kinds of counseling and continues to. He's gone through much more than most people have. And again, I'm not writing off what he did. I'm not saying the other person that was involved is suddenly bad or anything else, so nobody take it that way. There's no accusations being made here at all. But let's move on. The kid was a 17-year-old. There's been a lot of 17-year-old and younger people that have made mistakes. So there's kind of like this Jesus or mountain God complex symbol that's going on that people need to stop. But another defensive talent that they've already got in the organization, Lane Hudson. There is absolutely no way he won't be on the roster within two to three years. Tremendous talent. Matter of fact, rare talent. Some people have said to the degree of like the best offensive defenseman to ever play the game, such as your Bobby Orr's, Paul Coffey's, just to name a couple of them. 
He's got that kind of offensive talent. If he can actually fill out and be 5'10 or 5'11, look out. He's going to make Cal McCarr look slow. He is exceptional, not only with the transitional game, puck skills, stick skills. It's like the kid's got eyes all over his head. He has tremendous vision on the ice. That's been proven everywhere he's gone, and something tells me he loves to be one of those people that are told that he can't do something, and he's going to make you look really stupid. Because not only is he going to do it, but he's going to do it at an all-star level. So that's two of the prospects that Montreal has, and not just any two, but elite two prospects on defense. In addition to that, you have Jaden Struble, solid defensive defenseman. Everybody's like, oh, defensive defenseman, that's boring. Well, you need somebody that can make sure your end's cleared out. You need somebody that's strong on their skates. Again, you want players that are durable, and that is the concern with him is his health. He has had some injury history during his time at Northeastern, but that has not seemed to follow him so far into the AHL at Laval. He's a strong skater, very physical, very good balance great first pass like i said takes care of his own end and again montreal is starting to in this regard drafts a type of player that i'm glad to see them draft that's going to put a stop to these people taking advantage of players on the roster he's another one that will step in and go "Mm -mm, not on my team you're not going to get away with that if you do you're going to get hurt that leads me to adam engstrom he has turned heads from the moment the montreal canadians drafted him and everybody's like wow how did i miss out on this guy what the hell was i smoking because this guy is good and he can play right or left defense solid first pass can be anywhere on the ice when he needs to be and where he needs to be very fast fluid skater william trudeau made a huge leap in laval this year very underrated also i would go so far to, as to say underappreciated as a defensive prospect in the montreal organization he's going to be one of those guys that is a quiet but steady always able to depend on know where he is know that he'll do his job he's a very fluid skater he can shut down the opposition's best or he can keep right with him he's very quick on his skates he's another one that can play right or left. Now you've got Miguel Torgany and Paturi Nermi. Now, those two are going to be a little bit different. Those two, I might not say, are going to be, oh, well, you know, we got to find a spot for those. They may never be regulars. They may be specialists. They may be role players. They have got wicked offensive games. They have got great shots. They can light it up, and they can sneak through the opposition. Those are the kind of pesky, smaller players that just annoy the opposition to no end. As they're like, ah, I missed him again. And he scored. So they're not to be forgotten either. So with all of this defensive talent, and the funny part about it is I didn't even mention Matthias Norlander in that group, who at one time was considered the best defensive prospect in the Canadiens organization and is still only 22 years old himself. And he can play right or left defense. So there's starting to be a pattern here. So for all those people, it's like, oh my God, we need a right-handed defenseman. That is truly an organizational need, a priority need. We've got to have a right-handed defenseman. Why? Most left-handed defensemen can play the right-hand side of defense just as easily. Now, most right-handed defensemen can Conversely, cannot play lefty, but lefty can play righty. So think of all that talent. What are you going to do with them all? 
I mean, sometimes people can sit there and go, well, we have six clear front runners, and the rest of them will just kind of be fill-in. We'll lose them along the way because we'll have to let them go. We won't be able to keep them on, things like that. You don't want to lose any of these guys that I've been talking about. You don't want to lose Gooley. You don't want to lose Arbor Jack guy. You don't want to lose Lane Hudson. You don't want to lose Logan Mylou. You don't want to lose these guys. You don't want to lose Kovacevic. Jonathan Kovacevic is a throwback, but he's a throwback with today's skating ability. He's a really good player. A lot of people would say, well, you know, he doesn't bring me out of my chair. Not every player is gonna, and that's not the job of every player. This is a team sport, and Montreal has a really, really good pool of defensive prospects. So I'm really curious to see where that process goes to select who those sixth are. And not only who are those sixth, who do you pair them with? Who do they play with best? Who complements each other's skills? That is going to be a lot bigger challenge. Some people would say, oh, that's a great challenge. That's a fun problem to have. Not really. That can be really, really irritating because all of those guys are going to be really, really good. So that's why I question the pick of David Reinbacher. Nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's good. But Montreal does not have this defensive shortage that so many people seem to think that they have. So now when you add Reinbacher to the amount of prospects that Montreal has, you're kind of like, huh, that could be a problem. That could be a real problem to be able to find minutes and to be able to take advantage of all those players' skills. There's only so many positions and so many minutes in a game. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see how that actually turns out. Well, I said in the beginning that this was the post-draft episode, and it is. So let's get back to more of the draft. I don't know if anybody else creates their own mock drafts for their favorite teams or like the league overall or has those kinds of hobbies, but I do. And I've been doing it since 1980, so that's 43 years now that I've been creating my own mock draft. And there's been some drafts that I've hit pretty good on who Montreal has picked. I've picked the same players. I'm like, wow, I'm like right on this year. This is great. There's been a lot of other years that the first and second, especially, I've missed out on. And then from the third on up, I'm pretty accurate. I don't know what the deal is with this year's draft because there wasn't a soul other than there was two things I hit on in this draft. There was the fact that I said to a lot of my friends, this could be the year that Montreal could actually draft three or four goaltending prospects with all their draft choices that they have. And several of them said to me, it's like, why would you do that? Why would you draft that many? Because other than Jakob Dabish, who I think is still the best goaltending prospect, even after yesterday and today in the Montreal organization, by a long shot, actually. I don't think anything Montreal drafted threatens him at all. I think he's way out in front of them still. But they did draft three goaltenders, and I said they would. However, the goaltenders that they drafted, not even close to any of the guys I thought they would have drafted. And I think what really changed that is when they made the trade for Alex Newhook to Colorado and sent them the 31st and 37th selections, I think that changed a lot of things, including the fact that I believe Montreal, when they made that trade, I believe Montreal's management thought they were going to get back into the bottom half of the draft in the first round or at least in the bottom third, or back into the second round. And with all the inactivity, there was nobody making deals, nobody trading that many picks at the draft at all. I think Montreal got that door slammed in their face hard. Because two of the goaltending prospects that I wanted Montreal to have in their pipelines after this draft were Adam Gajan and Michael Rabel. And unfortunately, Adam Gajan went to Chicago 35th overall, and I believe Michael Rabel went to Arizona 39th overall. 
So, unfortunately, both those players were gone, and Montreal would have been able to grab both of those at 31 and 37 and sneak in just under the teams that took them. That's the unfortunate part, and I think they were by far the two best goaltending prospects, without a doubt, in this draft. Honestly, I gotta say hats off to Chicago. They had a hell of a 2023 draft, and I don't mean just because of Connor Bedard, but their drafts have been really, really good the last couple of years. I know a lot of people who said, what the hell is the new GM in Chicago doing? Like last year when they started like literally just burning it down and starting from scratch, including the trade of Kirby Doc to Montreal. And Montreal's game, but everyone was like, what is going on in Chicago? They obviously have a very clear plan. They just got their goaltender of the future in Adam Gajan. They just got Connor Bedard. All of last year's three or four first-round picks. This year's a, a multiple first-round picks. They're going to be good. I don't think Chicago's going to take that long to come back. That should make a lot of people nervous. Chicago seems to be on a very high-paced rebuild right now. But unfortunately, Montreal lost those two prospects. The only player that I actually had in my mock draft that the Montreal Canadiens actually selected this year was Florian Jacki out of the Hamilton Bulldogs of the OHL. And I figured that they drafted him for the sole reason of, obviously, Arbor's already on the team. They know the work ethic that Arbor has. They know the unique and rare talents that he brings to the team. And they're hoping that Florian is a chop off the old block, so to speak, and is the same dedicated, hardworking, all-out player. And hey, Montreal needs size. Right now, he's 6'2", 190, kind of right in that area. He'll probably fill out to like 213, 215, somewhere in that area. Maybe he'll become their future future third or fourth line left winger that has an attitude and there's nothing wrong with that at all well that brings me to the final topic in the post-draft episode and that is the acquisition of alex newhook I think that trade, honestly, drastically affected and altered this entire draft for the Montreal Canadiens. I have a feeling that because Ken Hughes not only coached Alex Newhook at a very young age, was also his player agent briefly and things like that, I think Kent Hughes has an insight about that player that probably nobody else does around the league. And in saying that, I think Kent Hughes believes he got a slightly more mature at the age of 22 version of some of the high-end talent available in this draft in Alex Newhook. So I think maybe that's the reason why they went with David Reinbacher because they feel they already got a NHL-ready version of Will Smith or Ryan Leonard or Gabriel Webb. That said, I hope that knowledge is truly very deep, very thorough, because some people will call me highly skeptical. Call me that if you want. But it's also kept me alive and repeatedly made the not possible, not only possible, but a reality for me throughout my life. And I hope that does that for the acquisition of Alex Newhook. I don't think he's going to play center. I have a feeling he's going to be the right winger on the Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield line. I've said that in previous episodes. So I don't think this adds a traffic jam to the already crowded center position. I'm hoping, as they call it, the free agent frenzy that opens up on July 1st, hoping it results in the departure of Jonathan Drouin on his own. And I'm hoping it involves or includes the trades of Mike Hoffman, Joel Armia, Joel Edmondson, David Savard, maybe even a couple of other veterans because 
there's going to be a log jam at several different positions. And hopefully this plays out right. To a degree, I think it's a gamble. Maybe it's a calculated gamble or a lower risk gamble because the Montreal Canadiens believe they already have an NHL proven with 150 games behind him, slightly older version of some of the high-end talent this draft offered. I hope that turns out to be, because if not, it's going to be the first blemish and a nasty blemish on this administration. Because there's a lot of people, I think, similar to my thoughts, I'm just not excited about what I've seen in this draft. Honestly, as I look at this draft and the players that they acquired, Florian Jackeye is the only guy I'm excited about. And the reason I'm excited about him isn't that I even know much about him other than the fact that he is Arbor Jackeye's brother, and I hope he's got that same commitment to excellence and follow-through that Arbor's got. And if he's got that, great pick. Other than that, there just wasn't really anything I'm walking away going, wow, what a draft. This is awesome. I had much higher expectations for this draft as I know a lot of other people did. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 56 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Have a great rest of your week. And I'm looking forward to the Free For All frenzy on July 1st. We'll see what that brings. Hopefully it doesn't bring a lot of expensive contracts to Montreal and hopefully they're able to unload perhaps some things they couldn't at the draft and stockpile some draft picks for future drafts. Till then, thanks again for tuning in.